Wait. Can you hear me? I can't hear you now. <laughs> All right, what about now? Can you hear me now? Yeah? yeah? All right, man. <laughs> Damn, man. That looks funny. That's pretty funny, man. Sorry about last time, man. I completely forgot on Saturday, you know. Uh, but we're here now. Nah, it's all good, man. Everyone's all got their own thing. It's, it's you know, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's nice. What's so? What's what's what? You, what's been happening? What you've been doing since the outbreak? Um, I mean, uh, I've been working mostly. I've been working. I've been doing a lot of. Um, I mean, I started my business on October. So that was, yeah, that was about a few months, six months before the outbreak. So I started my business in, in coaching fitness for professionals and entrepreneurs. So I did, I started that in October. So when the lockdown came, it was actually a perfect time for me because uh, I could focus a bit more on my work. You know, I didn't have to go out. I didn't have to do anything. All I was doing was just wake up in the morning, get on a laptop, help clients, and uh, grow my business bit by bit, you know, employ some people. So it's been good, man. That's, I've just been busy with work. You know, I've been working out as well here in my, in my office and park right next to my office. So can't complain, man. Can't complain. What about you? Yeah, I've been quite busy. I mean, some people, I don't know, some people are just, just spending all their time on Netflix, but they don't sort of see the opportunity that's had considered with the outbreak. There's always uh, an opportunity. Yeah, sorry, man. It cut out. I didn't hear you. I'm saying that a lot of people I know, I've been quite busy. I've been working a lot of things for shows, uh, been watching a lot of podcasts. I've been, uh, yeah, just putting a lot of YouTube videos out, recording podcasts as well. <laughs> nice, man. Nice. But yeah, it's, 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 there is an opportunity for those that will take it during the pandemic. 100%, man. I agree 100%. You know, it's uh, it's what you make out of the situation. You know, you can you can choose uh, you can choose to make something out of it and create something positive despite all the bad things that's happening around the world, or you can complain and moan and just make your situation worse. You know, it's your choice. It's and what so you yeah do what, what and what. Have you had that from a lot of people you know, where they've just sort of complained and made it worse? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, the nature of my job, right? I, I usually get on calls okay. with a lot of professionals and a lot of entrepreneurs. And what I do is I, uh, I try to offer them or help them and maybe uh, become physically fit or create a good habits, a good lifestyle habits within their day. And a lot of them, their objection is, oh, this is not the right time. You know, Corona is going on. Uh, I don't know how things are going to turn out in a few months. I don't want to do it. And uh, a lot of these objections stem from the fact that, yeah, like, you know, you're complaining about this because there's a lot of people out there who are using this opportunity. Like, let's say, let's give an example of fitness, right? Now is the best time for you to actually focus on your health and focus on your fitness because you're at home. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to uh, commute, you know, you don't have to worry about taking the train or the bus. You're at home all day. Yeah. You work maybe from 10 till five and then you're free for the rest of the day. You can use this time to actually improve your fitness, improve your health. But then despite that, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't see it from that lens. They see it from the lens of, Oh no, there's an outbreak going on. 
you know, I need to be careful. I need to be aware. I can be, you know, I have to like be super, super, uh, you know, skeptical about everything, so on and so forth. So, yeah. What, what, what got you into being sort of a fitness trainer? Because I know that you were, you said you put in your bar that you were sort of an MMA fighter and you did a lot of combat sports. And then what, what sort of prompted you to change to being like just a fitness trainer? Yeah, I, uh, well, man, it, it wasn't actually the MMA and the and the. I mean, I was I was doing martial arts from a very young age. You know, I started around twelve years old. I was doing karate, then I moved into boxing at sixteen, and then I got into MMA around eighteen, nineteen, and I've been training ever since. Uh, but that wasn't the reason why I became a fitness trainer. The reason why is after graduation, you know, I got a job. Uh, I got a sales job for uh, in my family business uh, is jewelry. We sell jewelry. We have a small shop here in, in London. So I worked there. And after about a year and a half of working there, I realized, yeah, that's not what I want to do. Uh, I don't want to be in a place every single day from morning until night, just selling products that, let's be honest, doesn't bring me a lot of satisfaction, a lot of fulfillment. As, as cliche as it sounds, but I wanted to do something that, you know, would bring me some satisfaction hmm. and some fulfillment, you know. And I thought about it and I was like, hey, look, I've been doing martial arts my whole life. You know, I've been training my whole life. Uh, I also, while doing that, I also completed an Ironman triathlon. So while I was working and while I was training for my martial arts, I actually also completed an Ironman just on the side for fun. And uh, I remember that was six months before I quit my job. And literally this, those six months I was training every day, you know, twice a day. And I did it straight for six months and I, and I loved the fact that I was able to do that. And I was like, you know what? I think I can do this for a living because I'm doing it and I'm not getting paid for it. So I might as well continue doing it, but I actually start thinking about monetizing it. And uh, uh, when that thought came to head, I uh, invested, I invested in coaches, I invested in mentors, business mentors, and they sort of helped me, uh, you know, start this off and push it forward. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that I'm actually able to help people and also make some money and make some good money out of it. So yeah, man, it's, it's great. Can't complain. No, it, I mean, you get, you, you, you do sort of training sessions, one person for an hour and, and you get paid probably, was it called 80 pound or a hundred pound an hour or obviously a lot more as well. But I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I did that. That's how I started. Yeah. I did that for about a year. Um, but now I transitioned into online. So now I, I focus 100% on training people online. Yeah? So through calls like here right now, like how we are on a call. Uh, sometimes I do virtual sessions, uh, which this provided me now even more freedom. So now I can actually do it wherever I am. You know, I can be somewhere else in a different country and I can still continue my work. And that's why, that's what I focused on even more during the pandemic because I was actually training people on the gym floor. And um, when the pandemic came, I thought, you know what, this is the perfect opportunity now to transition, to pivot into the online, um, uh, to the online field, which worked great, you know. What, what do you make of uh, Joe Wicks, the body coach? What's your opinions on him? Man, he's, he's uh, I mean, look, I think as a, you know, he, his target audience is a bit different. You know, he, he's targeting more young, young children and older people. Uh, and I think he's the perfect guy for that, you know. I think he's the perfect person who, who's going to help young young children and older older folks. You know, people maybe in their forties and more 
to start getting active and start becoming fit. Um, so he's the great guy for that, but he's not for everyone. I mean, if, if you're a busy professional, if you're a busy entrepreneur, if you're an athlete, Joe Wicks is not really going to help you out much, you know? I mean, um, he's not catered for your specific needs and for your specific situation. For that, you're going to need something a bit more advanced. You're going to need something a bit more, uh, you know, a bit more that suits hmm. your, your needs, you know. But I don't think anything bad of him. He's, he's a good coach, you know. He's doing his thing. Props to him. Yeah, you've got to admire that. It's just that I've, I've, I know that his, his name's shot everywhere and everyone knows about him. And I didn't really know much about him. I'm just curious as to why he's got well, so much fame and traction from it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was already famous before the, before the pandemic. You know, he, he was known. Uh, he had some different programs uh, that he used to sell, online programs. But currently, I think it's because of his online sessions. Hmm. You know, he does a lot of live online sessions. And uh, he, he donates a lot of things to the NHS, you know. I think his donations went something crazy. I don't, I'm not sure what the number is, but it was an insane number that he donated to the NHS. So I think that's why people are admiring him a lot. And they're, they're sort of seeing him as someone who's actually helping the government. He's helping, you know, social workers, doctors, so on and so forth. So, yeah, man, well done to him. Well done to him, honestly, you know. Well, one thing, this is maybe a bit outside of fitness, but I find quite interesting. A lot of high-level athletes and a lot of fitness gurus always talk about the diet. But I think a lot of people that go into their heads is when they saw Anthony Joshua fight Andy Ruiz, no one would expect Andy Ruiz to beat him. Because of like, how, much, how much does dieting sort of affect performance? Because, I mean, Andy Ruiz, he definitely didn't follow a good diet, but yet he was able to kick the ass out of Anthony Joshua. Well... Honestly, it depends on your goals. So as an athlete, your diet, I would say, contributes maybe 65, 70% to your performance. Definitely, 100%. Because as an athlete, you know, think about it, you're training all day, maybe twice a day. Yeah, what's going to fuel this workout? You know, your food is going to fuel this workout. Now, if you're eating crap and you're eating bad and you're eating all kinds of, you know, junk food, but of course, the fuel for your workout is, is not going to be very, very well. Having said that, though, having said that, there are some freaks out there, like Andrew Ruiz, like Daniel Cormier. Have you heard of Daniel Cormier, the UFC yeah. heavyweight champion? Like Michael Jordan, yeah? These guys, they were eating junk 24-7, and these, and these guys are some of the top fighters in the world, yeah? So some, some of the top athletes in the world. So there are some genetic freaks out there, yeah? So you're, for these guys, whatever they eat, their body... Their body is going to process this food and it's going to use it for optimum energy. However, if you, yeah, let's say, let's take the example that you gave, which is Andrew Ruiz. Yeah. Andrew Ruiz beat Anthony Joshua in the first fight. Yeah. And he came in belly fat, you know, pizzas and burgers and God knows what. But then on the second fight, Anthony Joshua came with a, and he, you know, he had shredded some of the weight. He was on a very strict diet. He was following a very, very specific protocol with his diet to help him become faster and quicker and lighter on the feet. And then Andy Ruiz came into the fight with the same sort of mentality, pizzas, burgers, and all that. And then what happened on the second fight? He lost the second fight. So that just comes to show diet is important, you know. It's very, very important, especially for an athlete, especially for, sorry? 
yeah no i was just agreeing with you saying yeah it's crazy yeah so diet is important man but having said that i mean i've i've um I, before I became a fitness coach and I was very pretty strict on my diet, uh, I was eating, I wasn't very strict, you know, I was training two, three times a day, uh, weight training from cardio training, specific skill training, and I was eating everything and my body was fine. But during competition time, I had to be on a diet because during competition time, you know, you need that extra boost, that extra energy is going to make a difference. But throughout the year, it was fine for athletes. However, for professionals, yeah? So like, let's say someone like you, you know, working, I believe you're programming, correct? Software? Used to, but I decided I want to be a comedian, so I got out of that. Nice, man. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Well done for that. But yeah, so let's say, for example, giving you the example, you're a software engineer. You're a software engineer. You're in front of the computer. Maybe you're training three times a week. Yeah, you don't train as much. For you, diet is the most important thing for your specific situation, because you're not training as much. You're only training three times a week. So you're, the diet is yeah. going to make you or break you for someone in your specific situation. So it really depends on the person, you know, it really depends on the, on the activity level, genetics, how you are, your metabolism, so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's what's, um, yeah. Okay. But with Mayweather, it's, if if someone has a cheap meal now and then, will that will that have that much of an effect? If it's just no. one off? No, man, it doesn't. That's not whatsoever. Uh, um, I, I have you know I have a cheap meal um, once a week. It's all about the ratio. Yeah, it's all about the ratio. So let's say let's think about your diet as a whole, as a whole week, as a whole month. What is the ratio of good food in your body and bad food in your body? Now, if the ratio of the bad food is, let's say, 80% and good food is 20%, yeah, that's a problem for everyone, even if you're an athlete, yeah? But if the ratio is like 80 to 20, so 80% of your food is healthy and good, comes from natural sources, comes from uh, earth-grown food, yeah. and then 20% is junk food, McDonald's, then that doesn't affect it really. No, it wouldn't affect it, you know? It wouldn't make much of a difference for you, especially if you're an athlete. Here's the thing, athletes can get away with a lot of stuff. They really can, because of the sheer intensity of training that they do, you know? I mean, an average athlete is training maybe twice a day, six days a week, you know? He's burning maybe 1,000, 1,500 calories a day. So whatever you give him, whatever he eats, his, his body is gonna process it, and his body is gonna break it down and use it as fuel, because he's just been exercising all day long. So you have to bear that in mind. Athletes can get away with a lot of things that normal people can't. So Mayweather, if you saw his fight against McGregor, um, you know, I think it was a week or two before his fight, you know, he was in a burger place. He was in a burger joint. They recorded it. You know, I think it was in his fight, fight week. He was in a burger place. He was eating his burger. He was having fun. He was skating with his daughter and he came and he killed McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> but that's because Mayweather is skilled boxer. You know, he has experience way more yeah. than McGregor. But I don't think Mayweather would have done that against Pacquiao or against, uh, you know, Triple uh, Canelo, you know. Yeah, so that also plays a part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a bit of a joke in a way that, <laughs> that McGregor was going to beat Mayweather. Not unless he did a lot of cheap shots would he even have a chance. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. Yeah, man, it was a great fight. It was a great fight, you know. Because Mayweather let him stay up for 10 rounds. 
Yeah, man. I mean, he was definitely tested feeling him out the first three yeah. rounds. I mean, you saw like Mayweather wasn't really pressuring him. He wasn't really doing much. He was just bopping and weaving. He was trying to like, pro, you know, uh, program McGregor's style into his head. But then as it passed the third round, fourth round, yeah, man, he just came at him. I mean, here's the thing, man. Boxing, I really do think boxing is just so advanced now. Like this skill of being a boxer. I mean, it's not just about power. Yes, you have guys like Wilder, yeah, but there's only one Wilder. Yeah, there, there's not, these freaks cannot, they cannot sort of sustain themselves anymore in boxing. Boxing is so advanced right now. You need to have a skill set of, honestly, like you need to become somewhat of a master to be a good, to be really good at boxing. You know, it's, it's, Okay. This sport has developed that much where you see like, you know, guys from the age of 10 train to become professionals when they're older. Mm. So it's very, very difficult to beat a boxer in his own sport. It's very, very challenging. I mean, it's something that is, I, I don't see it. I don't see any, if you, whatever fighter you bring from another discipline and you put him in front of a boxer and you tell them, okay, we're going to go boxing one, one, the boxer is going to nine out of 10, he's going to win because the sport right now is so advanced that, there's no way you can beat a boxer in a sport. Well, how does one thing I found interesting? So you did karate when you were younger, and one thing they, one of yes. the reasons a lot of martial artists from certain martial arts that they don't get involved in MMA is that they're too, it's, they'll be too dangerous and they'll kill people. But one thing I will say about that, how, yeah, how does a sport like karate and aikido compare to MMA? Because I have the feeling that they're they're not as practical, per se. Yeah, in a nutshell, um, Aikido Karate is bullshit in comparison to MMA. You know, like, yeah, for real. Like, these guys, if they come to MMA, they will get killed. Now, there are some disciplines within Karate, like Kyokushin, for example. Kyokushin Karate uh, is, a, is one of the most uh, physical and one of the most toughest Karates out there. Yeah, Kyokushin, that's what it's called. Kyokushin is very, very practical. I mean, you have guys like Lyoto Machida, who has a black belt in, in Kyokushin Karate, and he won the light heavyweight championship, I believe, in 2009, 2010, something like that. So you have some disciplines within karate that actually works yeah. if you apply it into martial arts. Uh, George St. Pierre, you know, one of the greatest fighters to ever live, same thing. He was a black belt in Kyokushin Karate. And then he transitioned into MMA and he became a world champion. So um, oh, another guy is uh, Michael Venom Page, you know, this British fighter who, um, uh, who also came from a background of karate and kickboxing and then transitioned into MMA. And now he's one of the best strikers and fighters in the world. So there are some applicability that you can put into MMA, but contingent yeah. on your fighting, you're bringing this style into MMA. You're not coming in with an Aikido style trying to beat an MMA fighter. That will never happen. Or karate style and you're trying to bring it into MMA and you think you're going to beat the MMA fighter. No way. That, that, that you stand no chance. You know, These martial arts, a lot of them were uh, created at a time where you were allowed to lose weapons. Yeah, karate, Aikido, uh, Judo. All these martial arts, you were allowed to use weapons. You know? So they were created with the mind, with the thought that, okay, there's a sword, there's a knife. So how can you sort of, if you lose the knife, if you lose the sword, how can you defend yourself against someone who's, who's armed or how, 
Yeah. How can you take someone down? Now it's fully unarmed combat. So when you bring karate and you bring mixed martial arts, and mixed martial arts is all about applicability. Yeah? Every single technique you use, you're putting it in a context of how can I defeat the other opponent? That's it. There's no energy systems. There's no chi. There's none of that. It's straight straight how can I take this person down how can I defeat this person how can I knock out this person and that's all they study so yeah man unfortunately we see this many times I mean I, I train in London shoe fighters which is one of the uh, one of the most famous uh, mixed martial art gyms in, in the world and we have a lot of guys from karate from kickboxing sometimes even from these you know whack uh, martial arts they come and uh, they're trying to like you know challenge some of the fighters and they get killed every time <laughs> yeah man it's funny it's actually quite it's quite sad to see because these guys think that they're such a high level yeah but in reality when they come and they they try to apply their techniques it just doesn't work it just doesn't doesn't happen yeah yeah i mean if someone does the high block in karate in an mma fight what's going to happen <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, you've seen you see some of it. I'm mean, sure you see some YouTube videos. There's some guys that like you know, without touching you. Have you seen these videos? Like there's some yeah. guys you know, like without touching you, they'll just put their hand up and then the other person falls on the ground. Yeah, that's bullshit, man. That's <laughs> I'll never work in a real fight, man. A real fight yeah. is uh, that's you need to know how to punch. You need to know how to kick. You need to, know how to take someone down. How to defend yourself on the ground. There's so much aspect to it. And I mean, especially, you know, you've seen those old martial arts movies where someone's taking on four or five fighters. I mean, but I mean, only if you're really trained and the people who are fighting you aren't trained, is that going to happen? Sorry, say that again, man, it cut out a little bit. You see, when you see these martial arts films where you watch one man take on four or five guys, I mean, it's not going to happen unless you're really trained in all these martial arts and the four or five people fighting you aren't trained at all. I mean, oh, if you've got. <laughs> Four or five people around you, you're finished. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's funny that they glamorize it. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. Yeah, man, so true. Yeah, like a guy, like let's say Bruce Lee. Yeah, so Bruce Lee when he was whipping all these guys. I've seen Bruce Lee movies, like the seventies. Yeah, loads of them. <laughs> yeah, man, same. And I've seen like all of them. I've seen when Bruce Lee's whipping everyone. Yeah, man. I mean, in real life, if these guys are untrained. Yes, Bruce Lee would beat them up. But if Bruce Lee goes against guys who are trained, yeah, man, he stands no chance, man. Bruce Lee would get smoked, unfortunately. I love Bruce Lee, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's impossible. It's, it won't happen against five, six, even two. Unless you have a weapon, exactly, man. Unless you have a weapon, yeah. Yeah, man, it's quite interesting. And uh, let, me, let me give you just a little thought. Let me give you this idea of how much martial arts has advanced now. So Bruce Lee, yeah, who, who's at the time in the 70s and the 80s, where it was considered the martial arts god figure, yeah? He was the guy, you know, he was the man, you know. And he was at the time. He created the martial arts Jit Kune Do. He trained some world champions. You know, world champions used to come to him and train under his wing. So this guy was legit. But let me just give you an idea of how advanced martial arts is right now if you bring bruce lee and you put him against any normal uh, mma fighter yeah not even the top guy maybe like top t yeah. 20 yeah, top 30 mma fighters yeah. these guys will defeat bruce lee same weight same uh, um you know same weight same height 
if they go against Bruce Lee, they will defeat Bruce Lee. That's how much martial arts is advanced right now. Yeah, it's at a different level. With the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coming into play, with wrestling coming into play, with striking coming into play. And also some of the techniques from Bruce Lee, a lot of techniques that Bruce Lee came with are used right now in, in mixed martial arts. And that's how advanced it is right now. What's, what are misconceptions about MMA gyms and um, sort of the gym fitness industry that need that you feel that people outside of it um, perpetrate a lot? Yeah, um, well, I can give you misconceptions about MMA gyms. Yeah, fitness gyms, I've only been, you know, working in a fitness gym for six, seven months, close to a year maybe. But MMA gyms, I've been in MMA gyms for a long time, yeah. Misconceptions about MMA gyms is that it's very rough. Yeah, it's a very rough environment. Yeah, I mean, if you go, if you go there, your first impression, and that was my first impression on the first day I walked into the gym, is I was very intimidated. I was very scared. Yeah, because I see all these men, all these big guys wrestling each other, banging each other up, taking each other down, choking each other out. You know, your coach is, is pretty rough. He's like shouting at you. He's telling you to do this. He's pushing you beyond your limits. So the misconception is, and that's why you don't see a lot of people doing it. Yeah, I mean, MMA is not really mainstream. People don't just go to an MMA gym. People go to a gym. Everyone, I think, in his lifetime has been to a gym. But not everyone in their lifetime has been to an MMA gym. And it's because of this intimidation, because of this fear that they have. But what's interesting is that to me, one of the safest places you can go to is an MMA gym, you know, because when you go there and you actually get to know all these people and you get to know the coach, and you get to know the environment, you're actually in a place where, first of all, you're learning how to defend yourself. Everyone around you is also on the same mission as you. They're trying to teach you how to defend yourself. They're trying to teach you how to become a stronger version of yourself. And you form these really, really strong bonds with the people in the gym because Think about it, yeah? You're in the gym, you're fighting these people, you're wrestling these people, you're beating these people up, you're checking them every single day. One day he defeats you, one day you defeat him. You can't have no ego when you're in there. The moment you have ego is the moment you get defeated because this is one of the realest things you'll ever do in your life, yeah? Like going inside there and shaking hands and going 100%, you know, you have to really know yourself. You have to really know your ability to be able to excel in there. And it's, it's one of those environments where it's very, very difficult for you to develop an ego or develop a false sense of self, you know, a false sense of, okay, oh, I'm this person who's amazing, who's great, who's really strong. No, because once you step into the gym, there's going to be someone who's going to defeat you. Yeah. There's going to be someone who's better than you. And he's going to show you that. And he's going to check you. And if you're not cool with getting checked every single day, then you cannot survive there. And that's why you have such a strong bond with your coaches and your teammates and your, and your guys that you're training with. Something that you cannot find in, in anywhere else. I think the only place you can find that is some, somewhere like the army. Yeah? That camaraderie that you find in the army or that camaraderie you find in, in, in war when, when you're going amongst your men into battle. Yeah? That can only, the only time you can feel it I mean, the only time you can feel this bond is in places like these. And that's one thing that people don't realize, that people don't look at it from that lens. They think of it just from, from how it looks. So it's this rough place. It's this place where people get beat up. But it's more than that, you know. It's not just that. But 
I also, I also hear, yeah, it's, what, what, um, what do you think of people like Conor McGregor and like, do you think, I think, I mean, it's all put on, obviously. I think if you speak to a lot of fighters off stage of it, they're probably okay. But, oh, 100%. 100%. But what's with all this sort of animosity they create with each other, like Conor McGregor and Khabib and all these other fighters? Where do you think, what, yeah, what, what, what's going on between there? Because... Well, um, you gotta you gotta bear in mind that UFC is a business. Yeah, these fighters, these professional fighters, are there to make money. Yeah, and in this day and age, to make money or an easy way to make money is to be loud and to talk shit about other people and to aggravate your opponents so that you make it exciting, so you create this grudge. And people they're drawn to that. People like to see two people not liking each other fight it's just something natural you know when you're in school and you heard these two guys are fighting what are you what are you doing you know the first thing you do is go and watch it right because it's just that it was that excitement these two people don't like each other they're talking shit about each other they're gonna fight yeah i'm gonna go watch it and that comes that stems from the same idea yeah so people love to watch when someone comes and talks shit about the other person and then they fight it out and see what happens and that's where it stems from but i can tell you conor mcgregor uh, Khabib, all these fighters who showboat, who show all this craziness. When you sit down with them one-on-one, -on -one, they're the most humble people in the world. I'll give you an example that I have personally. So MVP, Michael Venom Page, he's one of the most famous fighters in the world. He trains in my gym. He's a professional fighter. He fights at Bellator. Uh, Michael Venom Page, is a, if you watch his fights, if you watch his interviews, very cocky guy. Yeah? Very, very, uh, he talks shit about his opponents. He's very confident. You know, he showboats, he's dancing when he's fighting. He's literally dancing in front of his opponent. He's dancing, he's like making fun of his fighter. And when you see it from the outside and you don't know him, you're like, okay, that's how he is. But I train with him in the gym. I see him in the gym all the time. And I can tell you, he's one of the most humble guys out there. Yeah, he's one of the most nicest guys, really humble. I mean, this dude is a professional fighter and he sits down amongst normal people and he talks to them and he conversates and he teaches. He's a teacher there as well. And he's a great teacher and he's a very, very good teacher. Now, if you didn't know him like that, you'd think, oh, this guy is cocky. This guy is arrogant. Oh, fuck that guy. But in reality, this person is a very, very nice person. And I'm, and I'm sure Conor McGregor is the same. When you sit down with Conor McGregor, he's a very humble guy. He's a very nice guy. You know, he's not going to... He's not going to try and intimidate you if you be nice to him. But it's that persona. Yeah, people like to... People are drawn to this persona. They have this persona of the bad, of the bad guy, of the guy who's showing off. People are like that, and that sells fight. And that's why fighters are like that. That's why fighters are, are seen as. But in reality, fighters, when you sit down with them, they're actually very humble, very nice people. But what do you think went on with uh, Khabib and Connor? How much, do you, so you, what's your perception of the whole thing as a whole? Well, man, here's the thing. Um, Connor McGregor did what he does to every fighter, which is talk shit. Yeah, make fun of him, talk shit about his family, talk shit about his culture, talk shit about his country. Yeah, he did that with every single fighter. He, he did that against Jose Aldo. He did that against uh, Alvarez. He did that against, uh, you know, many, many fighters. Every single fighter he goes against, he talks shit about them, family, culture, religion, all that. Now, you got to bear in mind, yeah, he did that to the wrong person. He did that to Khabib, yeah. Now, Khabib is a very religious very religious Muslim individual, yeah? Comes from a very uh, 
conservative environment, you know, comes from a very uh, strict religious environment. And then, so his mentality is completely different to ours. Yeah, he's not exposed to this openness that we have where you have this freedom of speech and you can talk to, uh, to anyone however you like. You know, he comes from that very conservative mindset. And now here there is this person who's talking shit about you, he's talking shit about your country, he's talking shit about your father, he's talking shit about your culture, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you can just imagine if you put yourself in his shoes, that's definitely going to create a huge grudge. Yeah? It's going to create this huge animosity against mm. this guy. So to him, he's not thinking this guy's trying to sell a fight. To him, he's thinking, oh, this guy really disrespected me and I need to get this back. And unfortunately, he got out of control, yeah? He got out of control, got in a fight, went crazy, got out of control, jumped off the cage and then started beating people up. Was he wrong for doing that? He was definitely wrong for doing that. But was Connor wrong for doing for what he did? Yeah, the fact that he, he, he cursed him and he did all these things, that's something you got to, you know, think about. Well, I think Connor was scared of him. I, I don't think Connor was confident like he was with the other fighters. I don't think he actually, I'm not too sure if he actually believed he was going to win. And I think he was trying to force it a bit. And so that's why he got to the stage where he's being a bit racist and saying all this Islamic, Islamophobia. I think that's, that's what, why it got to that stage. I mean, the other ones, he was quite confident against, so he didn't have to work so hard. But he's, I think he was struggling to find ways to attack Khabib because he's so good. So he had to start attacking his religion. Yeah. I think Connor. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, man. I think so as well. I think so as well. I think he knew he was going to get beat. Yeah, and, and I think Connor lost the hunger as well. I think he lost the hunger as soon as he got beat by Eddie Alvarez. As soon as he beat Eddie Alvarez, no, as soon as he had that fight in Mayweather, mm. his hunger went. Mm. He wasn't the same person. I agree. Yeah, man. He made 100 mil. I mean, what's. You know, what, what hunger is there anymore? Yeah, he made all the money. He's, he's set for life. His grandchildren are set for life. So uh, I don't think, and he created this business. He has a business which is making him millions as well. So yeah, man, you're right. He probably lost the hunger. He probably lost the hunger and he was trying to find ways where he can like really sort of get to him, you know, get, to into, get into his head. But he got into his head the wrong way. He didn't get into his head where he made him feel like, inferior he got into his head where where khabib was like i'm gonna fuck this dude up like i'm i'm really i'm really gonna beat this guy yeah. up you know yeah and i think connor knew yeah, himself worked hard enough to beat him he didn't I th yeah, yeah. I think from the start you could see he didn't believe in himself and it's just yeah and I, I liked how Khabib dealt with it in the in the press conference. Too, he didn't, you know, it was the right thing to do when Connor's saying all that stuff. If he said, if he responded, then he may have given Connor the edge there. Definitely, yeah, definitely, man. That was also another part that uh, good on Khabib's part that he didn't really get into this sort of back and forth with Connor. You know, he just remained quiet and calm, and he was sort of thinking, "I'll show him in a fight." You know, in the fight, I'll, I'll show him what it's all about. Yeah, man, it's, it's unfortunate that it ended this way. Honestly, it really is, you know. I mean, they're human beings. Thankfully, now it's pretty, it's pretty calm. It's pretty cool amongst them. Uh, I mean, uh, I think Khabib's father actually invited Connor over to Dagestan. 
uh, for a visit. So yeah, so I think things are are, are pretty cool because uh, I don't know if you heard, but Khabib's father actually um, was hospitalized a few weeks ago, and Connor tweeted about it. Yeah, he said uh, he actually spoke very nice about Khabib's father. Yeah, he's like one of the greatest martial artists to ever live. He raised a lot of fighters. So um, Khabib's father actually responded back and told him, "You're you're welcome to come, and we'd like to hospital, you know, uh, show you some hospitality and and all these things." So it's nice to see that things are all right with them right now. It's not. There isn't this animosity anymore, which I think martial arts is, this is what it's all about, yeah? Yeah. You come, you see who, who has a better ability, who's stronger, and then once that's done, just clear it out and be, be respectful to one another. But, but there was a few dark areas in martial arts, because you know, you see, well, combat sports, because you see of Mayweather, you see of all these fights, and you see all these, like, Mayweather's being in prison, you know, the, like John Jones going into prison, and all these things. What, what do you think is going on behind the scenes? Do you think it's like people around them influencing them to do things like that? Like they're getting all the girls, all the drugs, all the money, and then they, I mean, me and you don't have that yet. Maybe who, who says we won't have it in the future? Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. But, um, if you're in that situation, who's to, I mean, it will be hard to change or not let it affect you. Yeah, man, you're right. You're actually totally right. I mean, again, I've never, I don't know how it is, how it feels like to be a world champion with so much attention and so many women and booze around. But I'm sure that it can, it can influence you, yeah? It can, it can take the best, the better of you. I'm 100% sure. I'm sure these guys, when they first started, um, they were maybe honest, they were passionate about what they did. And then they became really good. They got a lot of attention, a lot of money start a party and started going out. And of course, man, that influences you. You know, that definitely influences you, whether you like it or not, you know, especially if you're surrounded, if you're not surrounded by the right people, you know, if you, especially if you don't have a person who you look up to as a figure who can actually tell you not to do this or not to do that. So here's one thing that is very common amongst fighters. They're very difficult to control. Ah. Fighters are very, very difficult to do. You can't control it. Even your head coach, yeah, even the head coach, the person you sort of, who tells you what to do. Yeah. The person who helps you win fights. Even head coaches find it difficult sometimes to control their fighters. Because, and where does that stem from? I think, I'm not sure where, but I can tell you, knowing how to fight, knowing how to defend myself and being one of the best at it, yes. It comes with a mentality of, look, no one can control me. Yeah. I'm, I'm the man. I'm, I'm the man of myself. Yeah. No one can tell me what to do. And a lot of fighters think like that. And I sometimes also think like that. You know, no one can tell me what to do. No one can tell me. And that can be a good thing, but sometimes that can be a bad thing if you don't control it. You can get out of hand. You know, you can get, on, get into fights. You can uh, sort of, you know, Okay. You know, we get into a party and all these things. And I think that's what happens with a lot of these fighters. Uh, mm. how, how, how do you think, um, what's it called? The, I mean, he's not a fighter, but I mean, I think this man's mentality is probably amongst the best sportsmen who've ever lived. Mm. Like Kobe Bryant, his, um, how, how, how do you think he was, I mean, he had all of that, but he only made... He didn't make as many mistakes. He had that thing in a motel room, but 
I mean, how did he manage to, yeah, not to keep that hunger and keep going and not be distracted by those things? What do you think? Um, man, that's a, that's a that's a honestly that's a million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I've met Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I met him years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I met him years ago, two thousand and eight. You know, back when I used to play basketball uh, a lot. I, there was a time when I was a teenager. I used to play a lot of basketball, and I actually did a camp with him, two days uh, training with with Kobe Bryant, who was actually teaching us. Yeah, man, we trained with him, and it was it was a great experience. This dude, this dude's mentality was like a fighter. Yeah, no one could tell him what to do. No one could, no one could uh, sort of, no one could like control him. You know, he 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 could do whatever he wanted. Not even his head coach Phil Jackson could tell him what to do. You know, but here's the thing, man. One thing that he told us, I remember very very clearly. He said, "Look." Um, never be complacent. You know, he was like, I'm never happy with hmm. my performance. I remember him saying that. He was like, never, don't ever think that you're satisfied with your performance or that you're satisfied with your work. Because the moment you feel that and the moment you become comfortable with that, you will just lose the hunger and you will just lose your skills. And I think some people are able to do that. Some people can actually always get that hunger, never feeling complacent, always wanting more, you know, always wanting to get better, always wanting to beat themselves. And some people can maintain that. Michael Jordan was another guy like that. Kobe Bryant was another guy like that. LeBron James is also another guy like that. Some people can actually do that. Now, what, why can they do that? Honestly, man, I think that's, that's just down to your mentality, down to your mindset. Some people lose it when the money comes, like Conor McGregor. Yeah, he made the millions. And then once he made the millions, he forgot, he forgot all about the hunger. He forgot all about the passion. I'm sure he's still passionate about fighting. I'm sure he still loves fighting. But yes, that fire in him is not there anymore. That fire, yeah. That fire in him is not there anymore. So I don't know, man. I'm not sure, man. It's, it's, a, it's, a, very, it's a very interesting question and something that you find a lot of guys... Uh, sort of hit and miss it's a hit and miss sort of thing you know some people get it some people don't i think with performance and anything i think with a lot of things you take in sports and can be taken in life and anything and i think that um in regards to um yeah how much would you say mindset is that is the determination of success more than anything else sorry man say that again it cut out i apologize I was saying, how much would you say mindset determines your success more so than anything else? In what? In sports? Sports, anything. How, how important would you say is the will to win and desire to look at things properly and find a way to get your, whatever you want done, no matter what? Okay. How... okay. I think contingent on that you have the skill set. Yeah, so contingent that you have the skill set, you have the conditioning yeah, of an athlete. So you're actually fit and you have the skills. Once these two are, are in place, then it's all about will. It's all about will. The thing that will separate you and your opponent is the will. Because at that high level, when you're a basketball player, NBA player, fighter, at that level, you all 
pretty much are at the same levels in terms of skill set and in terms of conditioning or fitness. You guys are sort of the same level. There's not much difference. The difference is marginal. Yeah. But what separates the two or what separates the great from the good is the willpower. What makes Khabib so great is not the fact that there's many great wrestlers in, in UFC. Yeah? Daniel Cormier, Henry Suhudo, yeah, so on and so forth. There's many great Olympic world wrestlers in the UFC. But why is Khabib so good? Why is Khabib so much ahead of everyone? Well, this is willpower. Yeah, this is will. He imposes his will on you. That's, this, that's his style of, of fighting. Khabib's style of fighting is him imposing his will on you. Yeah? And you see the same thing with many great athletes. Kobe, Michael. Yeah, Michael wasn't, wasn't better than Scottie Pippen. He wasn't better than Magic. He wasn't better than Larry Bird. Yeah, he wasn't better than these guys. All these guys had the same skill set that Michael had. One thing that Michael had that these guys didn't have, I think, was the mindset and the willpower. And just that determination that these other players just didn't have. And I think that's, that's what makes you excel at that high level. Like, you know, for example, I, you know, I play a lot of basketball with my little brothers and my little brothers are good, but they're not good as, as I am. Yeah. So I always win because they're not good as I am. However, one of my younger brothers who's kind of catching up to me right now, he's kind of somewhat, we're at the same level, somewhat, yeah? But he takes basketball a lot more seriously than I do, yeah? So his will and his determination to win is a lot bigger than mine. And when we play, he wins most of the times, despite me actually being a little bit better than him. He wins most of the times because of just his will, sheer will. He doesn't accept losing. While me, I kind of, because I don't take it that seriously, because martial arts is my main sport, I don't have that hunger and that huge will to win in basketball. But he has, and that's why he wins most of the times. And I, you see that with many athletes, and you see that with many world fighters and world basketball players, so on and so forth. But I think, I think that can be taken in all aspects of life, in terms of like being a businessman, being a comedian. Sure, man, 100%. I think I think I think it is all mindset. I mean, I'm not too sure how much it is on skill. I think most most of most things are determined by mindset, uh, who you hang out with, and a bit of luck. I don't think it's anything more than those things. Interesting. So let me ask you this: Yeah, you being a comedian, and I've seen you live, man. And you're a gr you're great, by the way. I loved I loved your uh, I loved your bits. I loved the fact that you were interacting with people, and um, you do a lot of shows. Yeah, I've done a lot. Correct. You do a lot of. You organize a lot of shows, right? Yeah, yeah. You've done a lot of shows. I can tell. Sorry. Yeah, a fair amount. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think separates a good comedian from like okay, two good comedians? What makes one better than the other? Is it mindset? You think or? Um. Yeah, it depends on yeah. No, it depends on the level. I think um, from the acts I've seen. Yeah, no, it's the way they think. It's the way they go about doing their business. Like the way their mindset is a lot of the times. Because um, some comedians, for the moment, the way I see them, they're never going to do anything proper because they're very close-minded and they look at things in a certain way. Whilst with other ones, some of them are very determined and they work, they're good and they work hard, but they're, they're quite creative and they look at things from a different angle. I think one of the main things for why 
but some people are just naturally super talented at it. It's just the way they are. Um, but a lot of the ones that I find super talented and actually funnier than some of the ones I see on TV don't get there because they haven't got the will. Interesting. Very interesting. There's a, there's a lot that I know that are absolutely terrific, but it's a bit like they just don't, they don't, they don't have a vision or they don't have the, there's no hunger or anger there. They've not had that. They need that little thing to push them over because they could be on the Apollo. They could be maybe globally famous, but they don't have the, I think it's the case with Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan as well. When they were growing up, there were probably a lot of people that were a tad bit more talented than them. It's just that they wanted it more over the years. Yeah. And then it added up. Um, and it's, I find it also quite interesting because if you look at some of the tennis players, like Roger Federer, he's 38, but he's beating people in their mid-20s or early 20s. I mean, logically, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. just a bit like your dad beating you in in the football match. Yeah. But no, I think it's intelligence, like being able to think outside the box and well. I think that that's a very big thing, because I think a lot of yeah, a lot of people that I come across, and you as well, when you come across in life, a lot of people have a very limited vision of things. They think in a very narrow point of view. They don't look at things from another angle. Like, take, for example, a lot of left people in the UK and America. Like, they're using the same tactic that lost them Brexit, that got Trump into power, and got Boris Johnson into power. They're not willing to look at things from the other way, because most people are sheep. They don't have a clear vision and they don't want to be themselves. They just want to be like everyone else and they don't want to make their own stamp in the world. And I think, yeah. It's true, man. It's very true. Yeah, you're right, man. Most people don't, they don't want to do what they, uh, what they truly, I mean, yes, I agree. Most people are sheep. Yeah, they just follow and they want to be like everyone else and they don't want to actually do something on their own, you know. And uh, it's hard. The thing is also, it's hard to get out of the cycle, man. Like I worked, I'm sure you know the same, yeah. I worked in the, in the, you know, in the world, in the corporate world, let's call it. And um, I wanted to leave three months into it. I wanted to leave, but I didn't. I didn't because I was just in this world. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm making good money in here. I'm, I'm, uh, what am I going to do if I leave? What am I going to do with my life? What if I don't end up making money? What if I end up being broke? What if I end up, what if, what if, what if, what if? And then I was just... But eventually something clicked and I left. But for most people, this thing, that they, they don't listen to that click. Yeah, they just continue. They just continue doing their thing and they hope, yeah, I'm just gonna, start, I'm just gonna continue making more money and have friends in my company and then so on and so forth and then I'll retire. But they don't actually divert even if they don't wanna do it. They don't divert and leave and decide, hey, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something that I'm truly passionate about. And yes, most people don't do that. What do you think? Yeah, well, do you know what, what I think also is a big sort of educational issue with a lot of countries? They say, oh, they need to educate person or need to teach them this or that. I think the biggest lesson that you should teach any kid or anyone that's out there, if you teach them to find out what they want to do and stick with it, if you, if you give kids that, then they're more motivated to do something. Because if you don't give them that, then they're, not, they're just going to flounder around and not do anything. Yeah, man, not just that, but 
to help them find what they what they truly want to do and then teach them not just how to stick with but teach them how to be good at it yeah so that's one thing that i didn't that i really didn't like about school you know the so i remember i don't know year 10 yeah you, you studied here i assume yeah so you remember in year 10, you have to do two weeks work experience. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. And then they tell you, go and choose whatever you like, whatever you like. We're not going to tell you what to do. Yeah. Just whatever you like, go ahead, choose something, do it. And then we'll come give us some feedback and then maybe we can help you find the thing that you truly love. Yeah. Okay. So, what did I do? I was 15 years old. I had no clue what the world was like. I had no understanding of money, of success, of career. What did I do? I went and I worked in a gym. Because that's that's what I liked. Yeah, I liked going to the gym. I was training already in a martial arts gym. I went and I worked in a gym. Yeah, I didn't think about it. It's just something that I did not. Yeah. Actually, okay, I worked in a gym. Two weeks later, I went to school. Um, and I remember I sat down with this career advisor and, and we were like, so how was it? I'm like, yeah, I liked it a lot. I loved it. And then she told me, she was like, uh, what do you think you can go with this? And then I was like, I don't know. And she was like, yeah, you're probably right. She was like, there's not really much you can do from working in a gym. And she told me that. And I'm like, you know, and I was a kid, 15, 16. And I was like, okay, she's probably right. I, that's probably not much i can do and maybe from her point of view she was trying to maybe help me aim for something higher yeah she was trying to help me set goals that were higher than just working in a gym maybe that's what she was trying to do yeah she was trying to like help me motivate me to sort of set a higher standard for myself but regardless from that moment on i never considered working in a gym and i went through university and i graduated in economics and i worked in the world in the real world and i hated every single minute of it and eventually at 26 years old, I went back to the gym and <laughs> I worked in the gym. <laughs> yeah. Now I could have done that from when I was 15. If I had the right guidance, if I had someone telling me, yeah, look, you know what, man, if you actually love the gym and you like it, we can maybe help you, you know, set, you know, set higher standards for you within this sphere, within this field. And we can work, help you work step by step towards getting there. And then maybe you can get, do a degree related to that. And then once you're finished, you can maybe start a business, so on and so forth. But that wasn't there. Ah, you give me an idea. Yeah, one thing. Yeah, but who, yeah, the thing is, with a lot of teachers, have they always, are they doing what they really want to do? So how's someone who's not doing what they really want to do going to give you advice on what you should be doing? Yeah, that's, you're right there. That's, that's the, it's a bit like, um, I remember a while ago, one of my friends said that I should give up doing what I'm doing with comedy. But the thing is, it came from someone who already gave up on their dream. So it's a bit like, how are you going to advise someone if you've not done it yourself? So yeah, it, that's, yeah, that's a big problem. I think, yeah. Oh yeah. What they should do in these sort of things is get someone who's successful, like an entrepreneur who's running their own company and what they want to do, then get them to advise them. Yeah. That would work so much better. 100% man. 100%. Yeah, man, my little brother came to me the other day and he was like, look, I don't want to go to university. He's a, he's a smart kid. Yeah, he's not a stupid kid. He was like, listen, I don't want to go to university. And now, if, now this dude is, is what? This kid is eight years old, nine years old. Yeah, he comes to you, he tells you he doesn't want to go to university. What would a normal parent do? Or what would a teacher do? What would he say? No, 
Yeah. Oh no, you have to go to university. You have to get a degree. You have to like find a good job, right? That's what they tell them, right? That's what they told me when I was his age. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do school anymore. I remember I used to say that all the time. Like, I don't want to do school. And they're like, no, no, you have to get an education. You have to freaking do this. You have to get a degree. And then you can do whatever you want. But yeah. if the kid comes to you and he tells you, look, I don't want to go to university. Well, you can tell him, look, you don't have to go to university. But you, can, but you have to definitely do something with your life. You have to definitely do something that you enjoy. And you, yeah. you can make money out of and live off. Yeah, but no one tells you that. They always tell you, go to university, get a degree, and then find out. But that's the meaning of life there, what you said there. That, that is the true meaning. And yeah, it's funny. It's, you know, most people that go to university are doing what they don't want to like do. Yes. And what's it called? I, I feel for someone that spent, you heard this, like places like Niada or these big acting uh, places, let's just pay 10,000 or 20,000 to go in. And imagine how ridiculous that is if they're in the early 30s and they watch someone like Idris Alba in Hollywood. You, he didn't go go to a big acting course. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true, man. It's true. It's uh, it's unfortunate. You learn about science and maths and all these things, which are great. It's amazing. I love the fact that I learned all of that. But they don't teach you anything about life. Nothing. Nothing about life. Not even one freaking class a week. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. About how you should go ahead and approach your life. How you should set goals for your future, how you should deal with your ambitions and goals and so on and so forth. It's quite funny, man. I, I find school funny in that sense. Mm. I've got one question. So one thing that I figured out the last few days, I haven't been working out that or exercising that much during the lockdown. I'll be straight and honest. I've been working a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, but I'm aware of that, so I'm going to push that more in. But I started exercising a bit in the last few days. Because nice. I get in the moments where I feel a bit, most of the time I'm all right because I'm busy, I'm working a lot of things, but there's occasional moments where I feel a bit depressed, a bit down, and it's been hard to deal with. But what I, but what I, what I found out was when I did a bit of a jog or I did a bit of exercise, it all went away. And how do you feel that, with our society now going through a lot of depression and all that, how do you feel that exercise and sort of good dieting could help people deal with their mental issues man not just the mental issues it'll help you in every aspect of your life i think to be the best in anything let's say in your situation yeah comedy writing yeah or uh, just sort of feeling good about yourself or performing at your best or showing up every single day the best version of yourself well part of that is actually exercising and eating clean if you're not exercising, if you're just, if your body is, you have to think of it like this. Yeah? Your body is very similar to a supercar, to an engine. Yeah? Your body and your mind, the way they work, is very similar to an engine, to a super engine. Now, you have a choice of pimping out your engine, yeah? adding some stuff in, adding some nitros in there, you know, putting in some high premium fuel, or you have the choice to just let it go and you don't work, you don't even, you know, you don't even turn on the engine, you just leave it out and you put shitty food in a shitty fuel and then the car eventually will break down. And that's a similar thing with your body and your mind. If you want to show up every single day, the best version of yourself, then you need to exercise and then you need to eat clean. Because if you can do that, 
then you've just won this battle. You've already won the hmm. day. Yeah, if you let's say wake up in the morning, you exercise for go for a jog 30 minutes, you have a good you have a good healthy breakfast. You've already won your day. Yeah? You've already done something very useful for your body and for your mind. Now, when it comes to the real stuff in your life, your comedy writing, uh, your shows, your day-to-day -day tasks, you're going to do them at a much better rate because you already feel good about yourself. You're already ready. Yeah? It's like you've switched this. It's like you took a little drug, yeah? like a little drug that switched on your body and mind, and now you're actually, yeah. actually able to function at a much better rate. And I believe exercise and eating clean provides you with that. Yeah. It's your body is the vehicle that helps you and pushes you to become successful. You need to take care of this vehicle and the way to take care of this vehicle, the way you need to oil it, you need to, you know, take it to the mechanic. You need to do all these things to make sure that it functions at a hundred percent. And that mechanic, that way, that your way of taking care of it is exercise and eating clean. That's and what's, um, what's, what, what, what do you think of people that are on the flip side of that? Like you see um, people that are taking steroids and sort of going too far with that, or people that are, yeah, I mean, what, what, do, you, what, what do you feel, what's your opinion on people that are taking steroids and all that? Well, man, look, um, if you're taking steroids and you're doing a sport, that where you're not allowed to take steroids, then yeah, then you, you fucked up because clearly states in the rules, you can't. Yeah, everyone comes to the agreement, everyone competing with the agreement that you shouldn't take steroids. So you just stay away from it. However, if in your sport, for you to be at the highest level, you have to take some steroids, then hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, I've, tra I've trained with many people who, who take steroids, take testosterone, who take all these things. There's nothing wrong with them. They're normal people. It's just that they're professional athletes. And at some point, they need to take it. However, normal person, I don't think a normal person should take it. No, it's, it's not worth the risk. What's, um, do you think uh, Lawrence Armstrong was unfairly vilified because everyone was taking it in his industry yes i definitely think he was um he was vilified 100 percent. by the way um lance armstrong didn't take uh steroids he took a a, a chemical called gw150 cardarine that's what it's called yeah it's a receptor so he didn't actually take steroids he took performance enhancing uh, drugs, but he did not take steroids. So that's one thing a lot of people uh, have a misconception about. He didn't actually take steroids. He didn't take any hormones. He might have taken a little bit of testosterone, uh, but you got to also bear in mind, yeah, this dude had testi uh, testicular cancer. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. So he was taking testosterone because he couldn't produce testosterone in his own body. So his doctor his doctor prescribed to him some testosterone. But his testosterone levels were not over the roof. They were just normal rate. But what he used to take is that he used to take performance enhancing drugs, which was uh, cardarine. And that was the problem. Is it, was he villainized? 100% I think he was villainized because like you said, everyone was taking it. Everyone was taking it. It's like going to a bodybuilding show and 
you find one guy, you pick that one guy, and you go like, oh, you, you, you've been taking steroids, you've been taking performance enhancing drugs, uh, you know, and you end this career and, and all that. Okay, well, that's right, I take it. But no, look, the top 20 guys are all taken as well. Why don't you go catch, bust those guys? Why are you just busting me? All these guys are taking it. And that's the problem. Yeah, that's... I think that's... No, I think the people have an issue because he lied about it. And he didn't come clean. Yeah, I, which I understand from... Look, okay, he probably shouldn't have lied about it. But you got to... Also bear in mind, yeah. Um, at this level, at this high level, you, the only thing you're thinking about is winning. You, you can't fathom the thought of if I tell them what I'm doing that they're going to take away my license and I'm not allowed to compete anymore that thought just kills you you'll be you'll do anything for you to actually continue doing what you're doing now was he wrong for lying he was wrong for lying was he wrong for taking steroids and taking performance enhancing drugs I don't know because everyone was taking it everyone at his level was taking it so was he wrong or was he just doing to was he just competing with the people at that level? That's the question I think you need to you need to ask yourself. Yeah. That's true. But generally speaking, I don't think normal people should take steroids. No. Because I've seen normal people take steroids. I've trained with I know some of these people personally. And I can tell you, man, it can really take over your life. It can really fuck up your life. Because it's a drug and it's an addictive drug. Hmm. Yeah, it's not. It's not like weed or psychedelics, where you just take it. Like have you ever taken psychedelics? No, but I've had a bit of weed. Yeah, a bit of weed or if you take psychedelics, you take psychedelics and you're like, I never want to do this again. It was a great experience, but I never want to do this again. That's how it is with psychedelics. Yeah, steroids and testosterone is not like that. When you take them, you're a bit like on coke. You feel great. You feel amazing. Yeah. Your body is just on a on a on a roll. And then when you're off it, all these great feelings, all these amazing feelings, go away. So as soon as they go away, you're like, you know what? I want to get back to how it was. And people get hooked on it. And I've seen many people get hooked on it, unfortunately. So, yes, I don't think normal people should take them. If you're a professional athlete and everyone around you or in your specific sport, they take them, like bodybuilding or powerlifting or Japanese MMA. Yeah, everyone in Japan takes steroids, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and then Pride MMA, like, um, I don't know how it is now, but Pride, yeah, Pride is an organization before the UFC. They were like, they used to be the UFC before UFC came. And uh, in Pride, everyone was taking steroids. And Pride used to tell their athletes, they're like, look, we're not going to test you, which is code word for make sure you take steroids. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's quite funny. Like if in your organization or competition, they, they, like, they don't, they're not against it. Yeah, go for it. Otherwise don't, don't. Well, one thing that I want to get into is there's a lot of myths regarding dieting, isn't there? There's a lot of, like, there's so many books, there's so many people saying this and that and I think that dieting is something that's been overcomplicated. And what would you say, if you're talking to a layman's person like me, doesn't know about dieting, 
what sort of book would you recommend and what sort of diet do you think a regular person should go on to ensure sort of a healthy mind and body? Okay, a book. All right, I'll show you this book. Give me a moment. So, um, first of all, if you're thinking about a diet book, don't buy a diet book. Read this book first. Yeah, transform your life, your body, transform your life. Yeah, it's a great book. This is newly written. Um, it's been it was written, I think, last month. Great book to just give you an idea of the psychology and the mentality of how to diet. Now, let me tell you something. Off the bat, the, what is the, if I ask you, what's the point of you doing a diet? What would you tell me? I want to feel healthier. And I noticed when I did diet a little bit, when I didn't have to come back to England and be with the parents, I felt a bit lighter. So I want to find a simpler way of feeling lighter, healthier, and I want to see the benefits of what it will bring by following nice. it. Beautiful, very good, very good. Now, if I ask you, how, how long do you want to feel like that for, in terms of time frame? Do you always want to feel like that or do you just want to feel like that for a specific time? No, I just want to, f well, I mean, what you said there, if you expect to be happy and happy all the time, then that's not going to happen. And there's no point. But I mean, if you want to feel good most of the time and able to do your job and what you need to do well, then I think you can achieve that with a good diet. Beautiful. So, essentially, my answer is one sentence. Find a diet that you love following. That's it. Find a diet that you love following. Why? Because if you love following it, then it's not a diet. It's just normal eating. Uh, yeah. It's not even a diet, yeah. If you if you want to think about it right now, yeah, like you wake up in the morning, you have your food, you have your eggs, I don't know, English breakfast, whatever, burger, yeah, that's your way of eating, yeah. But unfortunately, this day and age, majority of people's way of eating is unhealthy. Unfortunately, yeah? we have too much variety, we have too many options, and we're just not eating very clean. What you should do is you should create a diet that you love, that you enjoy eating, and you just follow that. And it, will, it won't even be a diet anymore. It will just be you eating your normal day-to-day -day food. That's it. That is the simplest way you can start. Now, if you want to go deep and just go understand the science of nutrition and understand different types of... Yeah, then you can go and read books about dieting. Yeah, then you can go ahead, go purchase some books. There's a lot of books that go into great detail. But if you're just simply trying to feel good about yourself, and you're simply trying to feel nice about yourself and, and be able to function in your day-to-day -day in a good manner, then what do you like to eat? What do you like to eat? Um, pizza. Okay, what else? That's healthy or just in general? What do you like to eat? I like to eat uh, frozen yogurt. What, what do you look forward to eating? What? Frozen yogurt's good. Okay. That's in a, have you been to America? They've got this frozen yogurt thingy where you eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know frozen yogurt. Yeah, frozen yogurt is nice. Um, I like a good bit of egg fried rice with chicken and, and pork and duck. Calm. Um, what else is a top-notch dish? I'm into spring rolls. I like uh, pasta. 
I like um, what's his face? Indian curries. I like they're good. Um, they're, they're probably my favorite dishes. Okay, so learn how to make them. But what would be? But they're not necessarily healthy options now. If you can make them, they're healthy. Yeah, I mean, what's pizza? Yeah, it's just some dough. If you can make the dough, ah, right. you, can, you can put some vegetables in there and you can put some meat and you can cook that. That's a nice breakfast. Oh, yes, that's, that's, ah, I see, I get what you're getting at. That's a very good sort of. Egg fried rice. If you, if you bring the rice, you bring the eggs, you bring the vegetables, you bring the meat and you cook it, you prepare it, you make it from scratch. That's a good healthy meal. Yeah. Spring rolls. That's all right. <laughs> That's all right. That can be your treat. That can be once a week. You'll have some spring rolls. Okay. Yeah. Frozen yogurt. That's fine as well. It's just frozen yogurt. Get some yogurt. Put some. I don't know how do you make frozen yogurt. Maybe yogurt and put it in the in the freezer. I assume. Maybe a little okay. bit of milk. <laughs> yeah. Milk. Yeah. A little bit of. That's it. That's your frozen yogurt. That's it. You have your diet. Yeah. So if you can prepare your food yourself and you know exactly what's in the food, yeah, you you know that there is no bullshit. Because here's the thing: what's what's making your body, what's breaking down your body is this processed food and the sugars. These are the foods that are breaking down your body. Processed food is like you know the, you know the salami, the 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 food you know the food that is not made from scratch, that's made in a lab or. Oh, okay food with colorings or food with preservatives or food with all that bullshit that fucks up your body and sugars processed sugars not fruit fruit is fine but processed sugars sweets candy coke you know uh, all these processes that are not made from earth but they're made in a lab these two things break down your body everything else is fine pasta is fine can you make pasta? if you make pasta from scratch yeah. it's great make pasta from scratch if you like pizza make pizza from scratch and also processed oils processed okay oils are very bad so vegetable oils um uh, you know like saturated oils you know oils from animal fats these are bad these are not good yeah so you want to stick to oils that are from natural sources like extra virgin olive oil extra virgin rapeseed oil coconut or extra virgin coconut oil you know, okay. um, avocado oil, you know, these oil that come from plants, they come from good, healthy sources of plants. If you're going to make pizza and you're going to use some whole meal, whole, whole wheat flour, okay. with some extra virgin olive oil and some eggs and some, I don't know, some maybe, um, I don't know, some, something sweet, like uh, some form of natural sweetness. Yeah. That's a good meal. Yeah. That comes from good sources. And you cook that, you put some vegetables, you put some meat, that you got from the butcher, you make it and you eat it. That's a good meal. That's a good, healthy meal. Uh, nobody can tell you that's a bad meal. Hmm. Nobody has the right to tell you that. You're gonna feel good after this meal is done. Yeah, or egg fried rice. Get the get the rice. Yeah. Get the eggs. Get the you know the meat, the vegetables. Cook it all together and have a have a meal from it. Don't tell me you're not gonna feel good after that. You're gonna feel great after that meal. Huh? Yeah. Have a big. Uh, have a big bowl of vegetables and salads and eat that as dinner. You know, don't tell me you're not going to feel good with that. So it's not the food. It's the way you make the food. That's what it's all about. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. 
and does it matter what sort of what sort of order you put it in and how you structure it for a week or just just vary it randomly um somewhat yes they do matter somewhat like for example let's say in your situation at at the beginning it wouldn't matter much at the beginning what matters most is creating good habits yeah so you removing these bad habits of eating eating junk food eating sugary foods eating processed oils eating processed food all of that removing all of this and going towards a sort of natural man-made food yeah sorry when i say earth-made food sorry natural earth-made food yeah so things that grow from the ground these are the sources of ingredients that you get your food from that's the first step you need to do once that step is done then timing of the food matters yes but first get the good habits right get the habits right that's the first thing you should focus on once the habits are on point then you can focus on timing then yes then maybe waking up in the morning and having a salad is better than maybe having a pizza yeah and maybe at lunchtime having egg fried rice with a little bit of vegetables and meats is good maybe a nighttime pizza is good before i go to sleep for example yeah so yes now timing matters but it doesn't matter much if your habits are not in place your habits need to be in place then you can go on and add timing and timing accelerates your performance okay and what about in terms of like building yeah what's your advice for building a regular exercise routine that's healthy and good for you sorry man repeat that again it just cut out a little bit what's your what's your advice for building a regular exercise routine for average joe that's healthy okay and then i ask you again you want to feel lighter yeah yeah you want to lose weight i assume yeah yeah okay now, is that your main concern? You just want to lose weight. You just want to lose extra weight. No, the only other, th I mean, I'm all right with the way I look. At the moment, I'm getting a bit fat, but before I wasn't. And I think maybe I'd like to be a bit, I'm quite happy. With, I don't want to be no Mr. Olympia, just sort of a little bit more on the arms. Sort of okay, and I get it. Well, start off with, like, you already done that, which is going for a jog. Start off with that. That's a good start. Going for a jog. Going for a Going for a 10K walk, by the way, 10K walk, uh, tremendous, tremendous benefits for your body. Yeah. Like you can actually burn more fat walking than running, believe it or not. What? Yeah. Yes. Walking for an hour and a half. Okay. Way or an hour or 10K, walking for 10K is way more valuable than running for half an hour in terms of fat burning because your body oxidizes fat only when you're working at about 30% of your maximum heart rate. Yeah. So you have different energy systems in your body. You have the first, which takes up glucose. That's when you're doing high activity level, explosive work. You're maybe working at about 60, 70% of your maximum heart rate. And then you have when you're walking, when you're only yeah. using about 30% of your energy. And that 30% is where fat is oxidized is when your body is using fat as energy it's not using glucose as energy okay yeah. <laughs> yeah so walking is a great tool to burn for burning fat like i can tell you here yeah i i train i train very intense yeah i do a lot of boxing i have a boxing uh, bag right here i do a lot of weight training i have a full set 
Um, all these things, they build my body. And they burn fat somewhat. But the best tool that I find for myself and for many of my clients that helps them lose weight is simple walking. Walking for 10K every day. You'll see your weight will actually drop. 10K. Now it takes an average person of an hour to an hour and a half to do 10K. But 10K helps a lot with burning fat. Yeah. Contingent on your diet is on point. Your diet has to be on point. You see, for someone in your situation, your diet is the most important thing. Then comes exercise. Yeah. If your diet is not on point and you're just exercising, you're not going to lose weight. Hmm. You have, your diet needs to be 100%. And then you can start losing weight. Now, if you want to build a little bit more arms, if you want to build a little bit of chest, simple push-ups, simple pull-ups, planks, dips, you know, don't just normal body weight exercises, yeah? So just drop down, do some push-ups, yeah? Do four or five sets of 10 to 20 reps. Go on a pull-up bar outside in a park, grab a tree trunk and just do some pull-ups, do some planks, yeah? How long can you hold it? Do some dips, simple things, you know? You don't need... Uh, yeah. You don't need anything crazy, especially at the beginning. Maybe when you're later on and want to transform your body and you want to have a nice physique, then maybe we can add in a little extra stuff to make things more interesting. But just if you're trying to get some nice definition, if you're trying to look good, go for a, go for a run, go for a walk, do some push-ups, pull-ups, dips, squats. Boom. That's it. Simple. What about... Um... So what, what I did do a bit of, I did get a personal trainer at one point, but it was in one of those sort of private gyms. Okay. Like it was anytime fitness. And one of the blokes says that there's different types of trainers that like there's, if you want to look good and you really want to look good, there's like sports trainers. But if you just want to be healthy, there's other types of personal trainers. Like how does that work? Well, I mean, I get what, I get what he's trying to say. So for example, the way, Yes. So, for example, the way I train you is different to when I train an athlete. Yeah. Okay. So when an athlete comes to me and he tells me, look, man, I'm trying to put on, I don't know, 10 kilos of muscle, whatever, five kilos of muscle. The way I train this guy is different to you when you come to me and you tell me, hey, look, man, I want to create a healthy lifestyle uh, habits and I want to have, I want to be able to sort of use my vehicle to enhance my life. And I want to feel good and I want to lose some weight and I want to have a nice looking body. Of course, your training and your methods is going to be different to an athlete. Now, yes, there are certain personal trainers that specialize in one aspect or the other. That's true. For example, me, I specialize in helping working professionals and entrepreneurs. I don't work with many okay. athletes. The athletes that I work with are very little. They're my friends that I just I'm doing a favor for them. That's it. But my clientele is all working professionals and entrepreneurs. So the way I help them is I help them create these habits that I was talking about first, creating these healthy habits into their life. And then after that, teach them how to make exercise part of their the structure of their day. So if I give an example for you, yeah, so you're a comedian. I'm sure that writing is something you do you don't think about it. just do it correct yeah yeah so like if you're if you have a show or if you have a set i'm sure you're always writing you're always editing you're always writing things down it's just the structure of how you do things you don't think about it even when you don't want to do it you just do it yeah you created that structure in your day that's what i teach but with nutrition and training 
So I teach you in a way, that's why with all my clients, I only work with them for, for example, three months. I work with them minimum three months or okay. more. Yeah? And then within those three months, I'm essentially teaching them how to create that structure so that they don't have to think about it anymore. They just wake up, they have their food, they exercise, and then they start their day. It's just part of their system of their day. That's what I specialize in. That's what I do exactly. So yes, your personal trainer is right. There are personal trainers who you go to who help you specifically with, I'm going to help you how to have big puffy muscles. Yeah, this is my coach. For example, I'm a, I also have a coach. Um, if I'm a coach myself, but I also, okay. also have a coach. Because, you know, I'll be a hypocrite if I don't have a coach. Yeah. I have a coach and my coach specializes in helping me become stronger and bigger and faster. And yeah, that's what he specializes in. I specialize in another aspect. Yeah, I specialize in helping entrepreneurs and working professionals create good habits within their life so that they can actually enhance their work and their business. Some personal trainers specialize in, I don't know, like uh, getting rid of your belly. Yeah. Some personal trainers specialize in, I don't know, giving you better endurance, so on and so forth. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. That's, and like Joe Wicks, he focuses on the sort of families and older people just getting fit, fitter. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it really depends on the personal trainer. It depends on the, on the coach himself and, and what he does. Yeah. Um, what I want to ask you a few questions. What um, what advice would you give to your um, younger self? Um, in my specific case, um, just listening to my guts, listening to my guts. You know, not not taking other people's opinion uh, too seriously, and not taking advice from people that are in a place where you don't inspire, aspire to be at. Yeah, so I was taking advice from people that, let's be honest, I wasn't aiming to be in their place. You know, I wasn't looking up to be in where they are. Yeah. yeah. I was just taking their advice because I didn't know anyone else. And I wasn't listening to my guts. You know, my gut feeling was something and I didn't follow that. I followed the mind, I followed what, uh, what society was telling you to do, which is go get a degree and uh, work in a, in a corporation or work in a company. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to become a coach from early beginning. I wanted to be a personal trainer, but uh, I was listening to too many people's opinions and I wasn't listening to my gut feeling. That would be my advice for myself. What, what is a quote that you would teach? What's a quote that you would, and what's a quote that you, you live your life by? <laughs> what has influenced you most? That's a great question, man. Um, well, here's the thing. A quote that recently, I've been sort of thinking about a lot um, is that money follows value. Now, this is not a quote that I live by, but it's a yes. quote that um, recently have been in my mind a lot. Money follows value. Don't chase money. Don't run after money, but 
focus on providing as much value as you can for your clients, for your friends, for the people around you. And money will follow. And uh, that's something that I used to do the opposite. I used to follow money uh, when I first, and that's why I think I did what I did. Now, I don't regret what I've done. You know, I'm actually happy that I got a degree in economics because I understand the world around me very well. I understand business very well. So I don't regret it whatsoever, but I followed the money. And when I followed the money, I didn't do what I truly wanted to do. But when I followed value, I now all of a sudden started to think about what I truly love. Yeah, because how can you give value to someone if you don't love this value? This value that you're given, you have to be in love with it. You have to be passionate about this value that you're giving out to everyone. Otherwise, it wouldn't seem to of value for you. And once I started looking at it from this lens, once I started thinking about, okay, focus on the value and money will follow. And it's been, it's been true ever since. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've had a thought about that as well because I've been listening to a few YouTubers and a few um, people with big social media followings and what they've said is they always say they produce content that they like and they find exciting mm. and they say that it just happened. I mean, it's not just happened. They they do what they love, but there's a lot more to it than that. Mm. that they sort of made it in a way. And also another one, another great one actually that I just remembered right now this is something that my coach tells me all the time. And he's, he tells me, take your client's results seriously, personally. Hmm. Yeah, he always tells me that. He was like, take your client's results personally. And that was a game changer for me, man. That was a game changer. I mean, when I started taking my client's results personally, it really elevated my business to, to another level. It really did. You know, at the beginning, I used to focus on getting clients and trying to get this person in and trying to help this guy and trying to, and I was just focused on, on, on that. And I wasn't really focusing on the most important part, which is getting results. Yeah. Getting results for your clients. Now, how can you get the best results? Take your client's results personally, as if you are this client. If you were this person, how would you take your results? How would you want to get results for yourself? Take it personally. And that changed, that changed, honestly, that changed elevated my business to a new level. So, and I think that's applicable in everything in life, yeah? Take your results seriously. As a comedian, I think as well. I mean, I've only dabbled around with comedy, you know? I haven't, I'm not as experienced or nowhere near where you are, but I've dabbled, I've done a few shows. I enjoyed it, I loved it. But, but um, I took, I remember I used to think, I used to take my writing Personally, yeah, like the writing that I used to stuff, I used to take it like, okay, if someone would read this, would they actually laugh? And I would look at it from this objective thought. Would they actually laugh from this? Yeah, like, like and, if they, and if they don't laugh, then you're gonna need to make it a way where they're gonna laugh. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it can be applicable to many things in life. Yeah, it's true. That's it. You've, you've sort of gone into another point here because there's a lot of adverts going on now with psychologists, social media marketers, and even gym, gym people that are into fitness. And they're all saying the same things that they're going to give you fantastic value. And they say, oh, you're going to get this and that. And it's a bit, it's very disingenuous. And what, what do you make of 
you, you've seen it yourself. What do you make of all these adverts you're seeing now? Like, if you join us, she will give you this result or that result. Well, man, I mean, what do I think about it? Look, if he can bring you the results, like I know, uh, I know a guy called Mario Tomic who um, also advises a lot. Oh, look, joining, joining me, you'll get this result and we'll help you with this and this and that. But if you go to Mario Tomic's website, he has a bit, he has like a, a page called results. And when you press on it, there is just non-stop results of clients. Like you scroll down the page. Yeah. And it's non-stop. Yeah, it's non-stop. It's just, you keep scrolling down and you just see all kinds of results. Yeah, like I think, I don't know, over maybe 50 results of different people. You have another one, which is UP, yeah, Ultimate Performance. You go to Ultimate Performance website and look at their results and their results is just nonstop. Now, when these people come and they tell you, hey, look, working with us, we're going to get you results. Yeah, they have the evidence to back that up. But when a person comes and he's only worked with three people and he tells you, hey, look, I can get you results. And yeah, of course, it's a marketing gimmick. Yeah, so it's a marketing uh, he's, he's not sincere and he's not honest in what he says. That's why it's important you, you back up whatever you say. If you're going to say, I'm going to get you results, then you're going to need to back that up. What's your evidence? If he can provide you evidence, then yeah, good. I don't think it's a gimmick. If he's not providing you with evidence and if he's just telling you some bullshit, like, yeah, join it, blah, 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 then of course it's a gimmick and you should, yeah. you should screw that guy. Yeah. It seems they've got more desperate though since the pandemic because you're getting so many of them on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah, man, it's it's true. Like I don't I definitely don't like the fact that there are so many adverts and, and there's so many people selling you this and selling you that. And it's becoming sort of you know, who can bombard more than the other? It's become that. And what it hasn't become a sort of thing where okay, yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 mental, isn't it? It's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's definitely crazy. It's it's also annoying, you know. I can imagine. I mean, bro, you can imagine me. Yeah, I'm I'm a fitness coach, so all my adverts are just fitness related and and, and you know like personal training related, and it gets annoying, man. It gets really annoying, but. That's why I think it's very important that if you were going to do something, <laughs> if you're going to join a program yeah. um, or if you were going to join a coach, look at his results. Yeah, look at his results. Look at his testimonials. Does he have good results? Does he have good testimonials? Does he have these things? Is he trustworthy? When you sit down and you chat to him, does he sound like he makes sense or is he selling you some dream? Yeah, like you also have to be objective about this. And if you feel like, okay, this person is good, this person is all right, go for it. If you feel a sense of doubt, then no, don't. Leave it. You know, there are many other people that can do it better. So. What, what's your yeah. thought on people like Tony Robbins and like these self-help people? What do I think? Yeah. Well, like how much of it is real? How much of it is complete and utter horseshit? I know Tony Robbins is legit. I know that. I have, uh, I've never been there, but I've had many friends who've actually uh, 
been to his seminars and he's actually, he has actually helped a lot of people uh, create successful businesses and uh, yeah, he's taken their life. He's changed a lot of people's lives. So I think Tony Robbins is legit and uh, he's also create, he's also a very, very successful guy just outside of public speaking and, and motivational speaking. He's a very successful investor, very successful businessman. You know, he's, uh, he's written a lot of books. So I think he's legit, but yeah, majority of these guys, yeah, they're gimmicks. Definitely. Majority of these guys are gimmicks. They're not, uh, they're just like selling you a fake idea or selling you a dream or selling you something that's just to get your money and just to take your money. Because uh, I was watching a video with um, James Janney. I'll send you a link to him, but he's very good. He He's analyzed a lot of these self-help gurus and he says that much like someone gets addicted to cocaine, that's what a lot of these self-help guys do. They get you really hooked and excited about it. And then um, then you get hooked in it, you keep doing it. And then then yeah, you, you don't see any, and this is basically with a lot of them, they don't actually want to see you do well. They want you to get addicted to their products so you keep buying. And so you get this big drug feeling you keep going oh I'm feeling this I'm feeling that but it's just they know how to make you feel good it's a bit like um, it's a bit like sometimes when, when some ladies are with men that abuse them they, they know the words to keep them in even though they're not good for them and I don't know I feel with, with a lot of self help you have to do a lot of the work yourself and I feel that um, some people go into these things thinking that it's just going to be that that changes it and that's it because I've seen I know one comedian who goes to Tony Robbins um, seminars non-stop, but he's not changed or developed in any way. He feels like he has, but he hasn't. And that's that's why I'm, that's what's brought the... But I have heard people do well from Tony Robbins. Well, man, I mean, I agree with you 100%. You have to do the work. I, I got business mentors as well. You know, I remember... Um, uh, well, I don't remember. This was recent. It was a few months ago. I got business mentors to help me excel with my business. And um, what they taught me was great, but I can tell you, I got the results. Yeah. They didn't get the results. I got the results. I had to put in the work. I had to, you know, create, do the lead generation. I had to jump on the sales calls. I had to sell. I had to, you know, invest this. I had to invest that. I had to get the return. I had to do all of these things. Yeah, but these guys gave me feedback and they helped me do it. They helped me with the execution. But essentially, you have to do the execution. This Tony Robbins guy or this business guru or whatever, this guy is not going to help you with the execution. You have to do the execution. You have to do the work. These guys can maybe give you feedback. These guys can maybe give you an idea of how to do things. They can maybe show you the right path, but at the end of the day, you have to do the work. And yes, I agree with you that sometimes we get hooked onto the feeling of, oh, I feel great. I listen to this guru and he gives you this amazing, he talks to you in a very nice way and he makes you feel amazing and great and you're so motivated, but that's not, that's not going to do shit to you unless you execute. You have to execute. And once you execute, you have to give feedback. And upon that feedback, you have to execute again. And if you can do that, and you can do that consistently enough, you'll get results. That's for sure.
but I agree with you. Yeah, sitting, listening to this guy and coming back, you, you know, you maybe you might create this bubble in your head where you're doing well, but you're not really doing well. That's why I think it's important that you take your results personally. Hmm. Right. You from doing self-development and you actually doing something good for yourself. It's the results. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, don't be results-orientated. Look, man, don't attach yourself to the results, but your results is what's going to determine whether you're doing well, whether it be in business, whether it be in life, whether it even be in comedy, man. Like, if you're doing more shows and more people are coming to see you and more people are paying to see you, that's results. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're doing, if you've been doing, I don't know, comedy for 10 years and you, you haven't gotten a show yet, or you haven't gotten paid yet, then you should ask yourself, okay, what am I doing wrong? How can I, how can I, you know, improve my results? How can I start? And once you think with that mentality, I think you can get away from the self, self-help and get into actually getting the goal, getting towards the goal that you want. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's it. But, but I think sometimes, I think in performing arts, that is one of the hardest things to do because a lot of people find it very hard to do that. They find it very hard to analyze themselves. Yeah, man, that's very true. Yeah, that's actually interesting enough. That's one thing you can never teach. Like, I've helped many people transform their body and I've got results for that. Um, but... And I can, you know, you can teach anyone fitness, you can teach anyone nutrition, but you cannot teach them how to be self-analytical. Yeah. Or you cannot teach them how to take criticism well. That's something you can never teach. Like, I think the person has to decide whether he wants to take criticism. The person has to decide whether he wants to be self-analytical. But you can never teach it. I've seen it many times where I work with someone and then, I'm forced to stop working with them because every single time I give him feedback or every single time I criticize him, he takes it personally and he, he thinks uh, it's a problem. You yes, know? yes, yeah. So, it's funny sometimes when it happens because I remember a few times like, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. People are very sensitive and they don't like you when you're honest sometimes. That's what I found funny as well. Yeah, I, man. <laughs> Which I think is retarded, man. I think the only way to really get better is, is to take criticism and be self-analytical to an extent. If you want to take whatever it is that you do, if you want to take it to the next level, you have to think from that mentality. Yeah? What, what's, what's a crazy example that you've had where you've, you've given feedback and they, someone's got mad? Like, don't put any names or anything. Just a funny situation that's happened. What's, what's been like, oh my God, what is going on? Yeah. So this was, um, this was beginning of my, uh, when I started doing this full time, uh, a few months in, and I got this client who, who used to, when we get on a call, he would, oh, he, he used to run a business. He used to run a very, very successful business. And this dude was, was very busy, clearly very, very busy. So whenever we talk about fitness or I'm teaching him something on nutrition, Whenever someone would call him, he'd pick, up the call, he'd pick up the phone and he'll start like freaking talking on the phone in the middle of our call. He'll be talking on the phone and he'll be like, yo, sorry, I really need to pick this up. He'll tell me, please, two minutes. I just need to pick this something up. And I'll be like, okay, cool, pick it up. 
pick this up and he starts shouting and he starts screaming and he's like, no, what the fuck? You know, like he would like react in such a bad way. And then once you close the phone and we get back to get back to the conversation, the energy is off. Yeah, the dude has just been <laughs> shouting and screaming. The energy is completely off. So one time I told him off. I told him, look, bro, like, what the fuck? You know, like I'm 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 giving you my time here. Yeah. And I'm trying to give you as much value as I can. And you're fucking off with these phone calls and you're doing all this bullshit and you, you're not helping me teach you and you're not learning. So I think you should stop doing that. I just told him straight up, like, you should stop taking phone calls. It's just 30 minutes once a week. We should actually just focus on it so that you can learn. And he took it very, he reacted in such a bad way. He was like, what do you mean? This is my business, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I felt such animosity. Like he showed me so much animosity. It was weird in a way. And I was just thinking this whole time. Like, so you think what you're doing is right. That's essentially, I was trying to put my head in his, like, let me think in his shoes. Does this guy think that it's actually normal to pick up the phone in the middle of a call, shout, close it, and then continue? But to him, he thought that was normal. And he thought that it was actually wrong for me to call him out on it. So I had. I had to like, I was like, listen, bro, there's nothing I can do for you. <laughs> Ended it up, you know. That's, um, that's, that, was the, that was the only time. Then after that, I made it a process. So now I've actually created a, a process until I work with the clients to make sure I, I, uh, I clear out all of these issues. So I actually get to know the client before I work with him to make sure that you can actually create, take criticism and take, uh, be self-critical to an extent. And uh, yeah, it's worked well ever since. Yeah. Since I've never had this problem again. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, what well, it's been. It's been, yes, it's you've pointed me in a lot of directions that I didn't think of with regards to fitness and self defense. Um, but definitely, I think I'm definitely going to post some sort of short clips that you said, especially about the dieting and the exercise bit. And I think they, I'll, I'll post short clips on Facebook along with the podcast once I send it to you. I'm going to promote it to other people because those those two things, man, they, they are fantastic. Great, man. Cheers for that, bro. Cheers, yeah. no, man. That was a that was a great uh, great call, man. I enjoyed it a lot. It's been no, it's been a lot of fun. And yeah. I think, but one one more thing before we go, how do you see the world sort of? What do you see happening once um, this is all over? What do you think? It's going to happen and how do you think things are going to change in terms of what in terms of fitness yeah. well i definitely think that the online space is going to grow tremendously for sure the online space is going to grow a lot because simply just because of the fact that um corona has just excelled it because now people are way more open to actually working with someone online without actually seeing them yeah especially now that some coaches out there yeah and there's many coaches out there that are getting great results i'm one of them getting great results with clients purely online and i think people are going to be more open to that idea i also think that people are going to actually um, wake up to taking their health and fitness a lot more seriously, especially after this, when gyms reopen and things get back to normal. I think people will take 
their health, their fitness, their mindset uh, a lot more seriously because honestly, this is your this is your life. Yeah, this is your health, and if it's not optimized, then you're at a risk. Yeah, you're at a risk of something bad happening to you. And uh, yeah, I believe I believe that this space will grow now, especially when Corona is over. Personal trainers, online coaches. I think this is a space that is going to grow and is going to get a lot more traction when this is done, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's been the same with comedy. I think that's, that's, yeah. It's, for those, for those that have made use of the time, this has been quite a productive period. But for those that haven't, they've pushed themselves further behind. For sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, this, this is the perfect time for a comedian now to like think about what he did, what he does is, I th I'm sure, look over his tape, you know, improve his skill, improve his art, write more. Yeah, it's, it's a productive time for anyone if, if, you wanna, if you want to be productive. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Also, I think what this coronavirus does show is it shows people's what they truly are. You see a lot more of what that person is during a time like this. Than you would if 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 yeah I, that's what I think for sure for sure man so true so many people now you actually see them for who they truly are yeah and, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite funny but be grateful for that as well I think yeah be grateful for that for sure right it's been it's been a pleasure likewise um, man. Take care and I'll see, I'll see you when this is all over.